Today's message will be asking, how do we discern God's will? Two weeks ago, Andrew spoke on, how do we follow God's guidance? If you're thinking those are very similar, you would be correct. Um, So here's what happened. Back in December, I had a Christmas break. I was visiting friends and family in New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. And I drove to New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. So I had a lot of time on the road, alone with my thoughts. Um, And so I spent some time thinking about what do I want to speak on today? And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about what has God been teaching me over the past few years? And so it was this topic of discerning God's will that came up from that. And you'll hear more about that today. Anyway, so I get back to Toronto in January. I arrive back at New Life, and there's Andrew speaking about God's guidance. Uh, okay, think to myself, that's very similar to what I was planning to speak on. So yeah, I did not know ahead of time what Andrew was going to speak on. Andrew did not know ahead of time what I was going to speak on. You know who did know ahead of time? God did. Just saying. Um, <laughs> so we're going to go with it. As an aside, I did speak to Andrew in the past few weeks about this sermon, so he's not being blindsided uh, with this topic today. Uh, his comment to me at one point was, we'll be saying different things, but singing the same tune. All right, so how do we discern God's will? Well, the answer is it depends. Uh, Sometimes the Bible is very clear on how we should proceed. For example, should I follow the one true God or follow many gods or no gods? The Bible says follow the one true God. Uh, Another example that may hit a little closer to home would be this. Should I go it alone in the Christian faith or should I involve others? This may hit close to home for people who have had bad experiences with the church or who, for whatever reason, feel it's better to go it alone than involve other believers at this time. Those experiences matter. I don't want to minimize that. However, in terms of what the Bible says, there is a clear answer. We should involve other believers. What does that specifically look like for your situation? It depends. And there are other situations in life where the answer to what should I do starts with it depends. Maybe you're graduating high school or graduating post-secondary education and you're wondering what should I do afterwards? Should I do more schooling? Should I enter the workplace? Should I move away? Should I stay close to home? It depends. Um, Or maybe you've come into some money recently and you're wondering how to spend it. Should it go towards a down payment on a house? Should it be saved? Should it be donated? Should it be spent on something necessary? Something fun? It depends. Or maybe your situation is very different than that. Where you're struggling to get by each day. You're just trying to survive 
and you're trying to figure out how do I follow God in the midst of that. The Bible talks about God providing for those in need, but what does that specifically look like for you? How long will it be before God comes through? What do I do in the meantime? It depends. One more example, and then I'll move on. Maybe you're considering a career change, and you're wondering, should I go for it? Uh, this was something I went through recently. Uh, a year ago, I was in Fredericton, working as a data analyst. Since then, I've quit my job, moved provinces, and I'm now in school for counseling. How did I decide to do that? I'll tell you later. Uh, <laughs> All right, so the Bible does not specify every scenario that we face. All right, and many scenarios reign unclear as to what we should do. How do we discern God's will in those unclear scenarios? Uh, and so this part I will lift straight from Andrew's sermon two weeks ago. There are two common approaches that Christians can take to unclear scenarios. What Andrew called the dot approach or the circle approach. And if you want to hear more explanation about what that is, check out Andrew's sermon. He explains it well. Uh, basically, though, the dot approach says that God's exact will must be specified for every, pretty well every scenario using whatever means necessary. We must determine the dot of God's will. As you can imagine, this creates a lot of pressure to get God's exact will exactly right in every exact scenario. On the other extreme, you have the circle approach, where there is no dot. Um, God gave us wisdom, gave us human thinking, and the circle approach says our human thinking is enough in every scenario to determine God's will. Neither the dot approach nor the circle approach gets at God's will in every scenario. So the Bible does not specify every scenario we face. The Bible does have a lot to say, though, about how we discern God's will. And at the heart of the matter is the Bible speaks of our relationship with God. God is very invested in forming our character through relationship with him. And so we see that godly decisions in life form out of relationship with him. And so we see that discerning God's will comes from developing relationship with him. All right, are you ready for the answer? How do we discern God's will? Here it is. Create space for God to speak. Say it again. Create space for God to speak. If you're, any of you are taking notes today, feel free to write that down. You'll see I put a little box around it. It's sort of your, if you remember nothing else today, remember this moment. Create space for God to speak. So perhaps at this point, you're thinking to yourself, yes, but how? Well, good news for you, 
we'll be spending the rest of our time today addressing that, that question. How do we create space for God to speak? I'll address seven ways we can do this for any note-taker in today August. There's seven words here. Bible, prayer, Sabbath, community, feedback, experiences, confidence. Uh, we'll define each of those as we, as we go. This is not an exhaustive list. There are more ways God can speak to us. However, the aim here is to have a representative range of ways that we can discern God's will. Uh, for particularly important decisions in life, you will ideally be considering several or all of these points um, yeah, in your decision. All right, now, something I want to address before we continue is that there are seven points here. Seven is a lot. I feel it. I'm sure you feel it. Seven is a lot. Um, I'll give two, two responses to that, though. First thing, remember the main point. Create space for God to speak. If you're losing track at any point along the way, create space for God to speak. All right? Second comment, a suggestion if you're struggling to remember all of these. Um, yeah, maybe just as we're going, pay attention to see if there's one or maybe two of these items on the list that are particularly pertinent for your situation. And then focus on, on those for now. All right, let's continue. First up. The Bible. Uh, for each of these seven points, I'll start out by reading what God's Word says about each of these topics. Uh, these are I've not compiled every Bible verse on the topic. There are more. However, I've selected several passages from each for each topic to show that God speaks throughout the Bible about, about the topic. All right, let's read. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Psalm 119, 1. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. There is there's more. Matthew 4, verses 1 to 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. All right, a couple more for you. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Finally, James 1, 25. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Spending time with the Bible makes us more familiar with the Bible. There are a variety of ways to engage with the Bible. The Bible can be read individually, collectively. It can be studied. It can be meditated on. 
you can look at it in large chunks, or you can focus in on specific verses, or if you're not a big reader, you can listen to audiobooks of the Bible. However you engage with the Bible, it helps us create space for God to speak. This is not legalism, but I'm saying there's a connection between familiarity with the Bible and with creating space for God to speak. And what you'll find as you become more familiar with the Bible is there's some parts that are simple and profound and possibly very convicting. It's good to know these parts. Other parts of the Bible are complex and challenging and hard to understand. I would say, though, it's worthwhile to pursue understanding of these hard parts of the Bible. So I encourage you, rise to the challenge, join others, and seek better understanding of these hard parts of the Bible. We also see in Matthew that Jesus used his knowledge of the Bible as a defense against the attacks of the enemy. We, too, can use our knowledge of the Bible as a defense against the attacks of the enemy. Finish this section with a question. How familiar are you with the Bible? Next up, talk about prayer. Daniel 6.10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Nehemiah 2, verses 4 and 5. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. So we see Nehemiah, quick prayer to God, what do I say? God tells him what to say to the king. Mark 1, 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. All right, one more. James 5, 13 through 16. Anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of their church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer is our communication line with God. And similar to the variety of ways there are to engage with the Bible, there are a variety of ways to pray. Prayer can be done individually, collectively. It can be done in the moments, or it can be done as a dedicated time set aside. I could go on. There are many ways to pray. What can be challenging, though, is when... We aren't hearing from, from God. We're praying. Maybe we're praying very consistently, but we just don't sense God is speaking. And that is challenging. I don't, I don't have an easy answer for, for that. Um, 
What I will say, though, is it's effort is worthwhile. It's worthwhile to continue turning to God in prayer. Right? And responding to this challenge in prayer might involve turning to other believers, trying a new method of prayer, might involve something else. It depends. Point is, prayer is a way to create space for God to speak. So I'll ask you, is prayer a regular part of your life? Next up, Sabbath, or more broadly, rest. Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Psalm 23, verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Matthew 11, 28-30. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A couple more for you. Mark 2:27. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Note that he says, Sabbath was made for us. Hebrews 4, 9-11. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. God models Sabbath in creation and wants us to rest. However, Many of us have busy lives, and it can be very challenging to keep Sabbath. I'll give two responses to to this challenge. First is, if you can keep Sabbath, you will create much-needed space in your life. If you aren't able to do this, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm... Sorry that you're missing out on the benefits of, of Sabbath. Um, yeah, and I hope that changes and you're able to get the rest that you need. My second response is a suggestion if you're considering Sabbath but not sure how to begin. Consider starting small. Maybe an entire day a week is infeasible for you to take off. What about an hour? each week, maybe Sundays from 3 to 4 p.m. Try it out. See how it goes. Maybe it'll grow into something more. Sabbath is a way to create space for God to speak. Are periods of rest built into your schedule? Next up, community. 
Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Another one's from Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Matthew 28, 20. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Acts 2.42 They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. A couple more for you. Romans 12.4-5 For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Finally, Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We weren't built to live life on our own. We need others. However, we see that our culture is one that deeply values independence. We get this implicit message of, I'm independent, I'm self-sufficient, I can do it, and I can do it alone. All right? And the result of this messaging is it can be very hard to ask for help. Even offering help can be difficult for us if it extends beyond what's convenient for me. And there are costs involved in joining with others rather than going it alone. Community is one of those things that it sounds nice in theory, but gets complicated in practice. But you know what? Christianity requires it. We take the good and the bad of community because we need help and we need to help each other. Create space for God by creating space for his people. Do you allow community into your life? Related to community, we have feedback next. Psalm 139, 23 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Proverbs 10, 17. Whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Proverbs 19.20 Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Mark 8.31-33 Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. One more for you, James 1, 19-20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires.
What's your first reaction when someone criticizes you? If you're like most people, defensiveness is a reaction. And that's natural. Defensiveness is a natural reaction to criticism. However, Christians are called to not stop there. Part of being in Christ-led community is actively seeking feedback from each other, both positive and critical. If you're thinking about doing something, but the people around you tell you it's a bad idea, then maybe it's a bad idea. Right? And feedback, when done well, it helps you see your blind spots, and it can be deeply constructive. I will say, though, not all feedback is created equal. Some criticism may not be helpful at all. It's just meant to tear you down, or it comes from a misguided place. Uh, likewise, encouragement isn't always good. It can be misleading, and it could potentially even lead you to potentially dangerous outcomes. How do we know whether feedback is helpful or not? It depends. One thing you can do, though, is check to see if feedback aligns with this list of seven points that we've been going through today. My question to you, are you someone who pursues helpful feedback? Next up, we have the idea of learning from our past experiences. Job 12.12, wisdom is with the aged and understanding in length of days. Proverbs 10.14, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Proverbs 22.3, prudence sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. John 21.17, this is part of a larger story. John 21, recommend checking it out if you haven't read it. Anyways, this is John 21.17. The third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. 1 Corinthians 10.11. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Family James 1, 23-25. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Life is full of past experiences. Some of these experiences are significant. Many aren't. Some experiences are pure joy. Some are pure pain. And many lie somewhere between. How do people respond to these significant, painful experiences? The answers can be very revealing. Some people find themselves stuck repeating history, either repeating their mistakes of the past or otherwise repeating history through no faults of their own. Other people manage to learn 
from their past experiences and are better off for it. Several years ago, I went through a painful relational experience. I'm not going to give details on what happened. What I'll say, though, is it was a complicated situation. It involved several people, and a result of it was it, it damaged my ability to trust other people, and it also damaged my ability to trust my own decision-making ability. Right? And so in the aftermath of this experience, I remember thinking to myself, there is no way I am repeating that experience. I need to learn from it. And so I spent time doing that. Spent time in prayer, spent time reading books, figuring out who I could trust, and finding other ways to take steps toward healing. It was a long process, but a worthwhile one. And a result of this journey has been an increased confidence in my own ability to discern the wise course of action in a given situation. I'll speak more on that in a moment. For now, though, I'll ask you, do you regularly spend time learning from past experiences? Final point today, confidence. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Jeremiah 17, 7. A blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Mark 1, 10 to 11. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Later on in that same chapter, verses 38 and 39. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. A couple more. Do not Romans 12, 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Final one today, Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Christians have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. The Holy Spirit guides our thinking, our feeling, our decisions, our desires. Christians who create space for God to speak can have confidence that the Holy Spirit is guiding their steps. Right? And so for those who tend to be naturally overconfident, maybe that 
guidance of the Holy Spirit looks like guiding you towards active humility, maybe asking for others for help. For those of you who are naturally underconfident, that may, that may look like the Holy Spirit guiding you towards taking steps forward with less fear. And that's, that's been a particular area of growth for me. Too often, I let fear prevent me from moving forward. But how God has helped me grow in this area by showing me the Holy Spirit is alive and active in me. Is your next step to trust that God is working in you? In summary, how do we discern God's will? Create space for God to speak. We looked at seven ways that we can create the space. There is much more that could be said on any one of these, these points. We'll keep it there for today. Before I go, though, I'll tell you one more story. As promised, I'll tell you how I decided to quit my job, move provinces, and start school for counseling. The process started with prayer, expressing my desire to God to explore this possibility. The practical concerns were readily apparent to me, the practical concerns of quitting my financially stable data analyst job and transitioning into a new career in counseling. Uh, that was not lost on me. Um, however, I wanted to give some time to explore the possibility before shutting it down. I then began to share the idea with a carefully selected group of people. Um, these were people who knew me, who would tell me if I was making a bad decision, but who also historically have been sources of confidence for me, sources of encouragement for me. Um, plus one of them was a psychologist and one of them had done the program that I'm doing now. So that, that helped too. Um, and I also spent some time in prayer and fasting. Uh, and during that, that time, I was reminded of deeply fulfilling experiences in my life, times where I was able to come alongside people, enter their stories, um, yeah, provide a listening ear, and become a source of guidance for them in those moments. Um, and that, that's something that God has called me in this life. And it became increasingly clear that the Tyndale Counseling Program would be an excellent way to pursue that, that calling. So that's it. I hope you're able to pick up a few elements from, from this list in that story. In closing, create space for God to speak. Yeah, I'll close in prayer. Lord God, we live in a complicated world and in complicated times, and it is often unclear how to move forward. Um, I thank you that you you know us well. You enter that space, and you you provide us what we need to help navigate that that complexity. And so 
pray for each person here today that you will help them create more space for you to speak to them and show them a specific way to do that. Amen.